Hey there, Kirsten Halverson here, CEO of Harness Your Power, an equine-inspired healing and growth company. Thank you so much for tuning into my podcast. My mission is simple. It is to help you see your worth and potential for growth. You matter and you have value, and I seriously cannot wait to show you that. Hey guys, we're going to talk about self-fulfilling prophecies, and I wanted to first start out with the definition. And so thanks to Google, it brought us a definition, which is a prediction that causes itself to be true due to the behavior, including the act of predicting it, of the believer. So self-fulfilling means brought about as a result of being foretold or talked about, while prophecy refers to the prediction. So I want you to think about if you were um, in a hospital bed and you were to wake up with no memory of who you once were and you're told that you were a Marine, how would you behave? I want you to really take this in because when I heard this concept, I was really, really thinking about how I would act, how I would um, conduct myself, how I would talk how I would walk, um, how I would respect myself, et cetera, et cetera. So think about this and think about what you would do or say or how you would conduct yourself if you were homeless. And this is literally, if you were to wake up from a hospital bed with no memory and someone were to tell you who you were, So how would this influence the way that you treated people? This is very, very interesting and compelling because it's simply just the belief in who we are. When you have um, a challenge or things are going your way, Steve Rizzo says in this book, Motivate This, life is always asking you, who do you think you are? So who do you think you are in that moment is who you will become. So that statement will affect how you treat yourself, how others treat you, and how life treats you. It's very interesting to think about when people people treat you badly or when they're disrespectful or when they are condescending, whatever it may be, who do we think we are in that moment? Do we tolerate that? Do we put ourselves down? often, and so people are just joining in in the fun. Oftentimes, we can look at ourselves and think about how we conduct ourselves, and that may change how other people treat us. So obviously, self-talk is crucial here. Um, This is something that I personally have been working on so hard, and I'm so surprised at how quickly we can get into a spiral of negative self-talk. We literally do not give ourselves enough credit. We are so quick to criticize and to judge ourselves for even the smallest failures, whether it be our kids are being disrespectful or our boss doesn't see the, the good job that we did or give someone else credit for it. Or our spouse doesn't notice that the house suddenly magically is sparkling clean since he's 
left from work for work. So often because, you know, when things don't turn out our way or the way we want it, then we want to blame external sources. So that's, that's a big one. And then instead we fail to recognize the impact that we have on our own life and circumstances simply by the way that we talk to ourselves. So we don't give ourselves enough credit because if we did, we most often wouldn't blame external um, sources, right? We wouldn't, ex- we wouldn't blame um, the weather. We wouldn't blame our boss. We wouldn't blame our spouse. We wouldn't blame our kids. We wouldn't blame whatever, whatever it may be. We would be able to practice self-generated accountability because we would know that we have way more control than we ever give ourselves credit for. So if I were to give you a challenge, it would definitely be to um, dive into your self-talk and think about how you're talking to yourself on a daily basis. And notice that that definitely puts us into a spiral. You know, all it takes is one one comment to ourselves. And then we start, um, you know, I'll give you an example of this, actually. So this this happened this happened yesterday for me. And this is how bad, this is how bad it goes. Okay. So, um, my son, my, my kid's favorite thing is to say you're horrible or this is horrible. They just use the word horrible and it's changed from time to time. There's different words that they use to describe what they're feeling. Sometimes it makes sense and sometimes it doesn't. So, they use horrible. So I was trying to get my son dressed, um, for the day and he, he wanted me to get him dressed actually. And then I said, okay, here, you know, let's, let's take your shirt off. And he's like, no, you're horrible. And I was like, okay, please don't say that. Okay. You know, like, let's get dressed, be nice to mom. And he said, no, you're horrible. And this is my three-year-old guys. And I, I had to get up and walk away and I went into my room and I was just so like, I was hurt, I guess, mostly I was hurt and I was embarrassed that my three-year-old was calling me horrible and that like, did he really think that? And okay, so this is where I, where I start to spiral and then I started to think, well, maybe I am horrible. Like I have done horrible things. Um, I have, I have a heavy past and I, it doesn't take much for me to kind of go there and start to feel guilty or shame or, um, regret or whatever it may be. And so I started going there and I started spiraling and then I started, this is like serious. This is really how it went for me. And then I started feeling like I'm not even worthy to have the husband I have and the family that I do. Like I am horrible. My three-year-old thinks I'm horrible. So it must be true. And I, I went to a dark place where I just was upset and, and Chase found me. I was in the closet (laughs) 
because that's the only private place I feel like that's in my house. And so he found me and I was just laying on the floor and just, he was just like, are you okay? And I, I said, no, I'm not like, I, I am sad. And this sounds ridiculous, but why is that it was horrible? And maybe I am like, I've done some terrible things and I, maybe I'm okay. I even went to a place of thinking, taking on responsibility that wasn't mine. So going back to my, I oftentimes, when I feel this way, when I feel, um, horrible, horrible or like less than, I start to take responsibility for my sexual abuse and um, start to feel like there was, there were things that I could have done or, you know, maybe it was all my fault. Anyway, so I started taking on all of this and I started kind of talking to Chase about, you know, what was going on. And I started to to cry and, you know, open up and be vulnerable. And Chase at this point was lying on the floor next to me, talking to me and just really listening to me and validating me and, you know, that like I have gone through a lot and you know, I have made some transformations and the, and the difficulty in, in having a past, which we all have one is when we make big transformations and you can even compare it to the homelessness to the Marine. That's how I feel like my life is. Sometimes I was in that homeless, hopeless, dark state. And I have changed my life around so much that it looks as if I am a Marine and sometimes I don't believe it. So sometimes when we have made big changes in our lives, it's easy to go back to that. And that self-fulfilling prophecy is so crazy strong. And you can be like, I am homeless. I am nothing more than that. I am, I could have controlled that sexual abuse situation. I could have prevented hurting that person. I could have whatever, whatever, what have, should have, could have, would have, all those things. And so then I'm in a state of, I'm only worthy of this. I'm only worthy to be homeless. I'm only worthy to be sexually abused and not be respected by my partner. Um, I'm not worthy of this, this deep connection that I have with my partner or this, um, trust and, um, respect, whatever it may be. And that is, it was a dark place and it went really fast. And guys, this started from my three-year-old calling me horrible. He doesn't even know, understand the weight of that. He doesn't understand what that even means. He says it oftentimes when he's laughing. So this is scary to go into a state of I'm less than from 
a child throwing around a word that they've learned. So self-talk is crucial. And it is so crazy how we can totally affect the way that we are. And again, going back to Steve Rizzo's comment in his book, that life is always asking you, who do you think you are? And in that moment, I was weak. And I thought I was less than who I really was. And I definitely didn't see my potential. I didn't see what I've overcome. I just saw the darkness that I'd experienced. And again, we've all experienced that darkness. We've all experienced times where we could have been better. We should have been better. We would have been better, but that's okay. We need to give ourselves self-grace. And it's so important. So self-talk is so important, but self-grace is equally important. When we enter into that self-awareness and realize that our self-talk, like mine, has led us into an abusive relationship or into a career that we hate, self-grace has to occur. So this, I would say that self-talk led me into an abusive relationship with myself, right? So I started abusing myself in that moment. I started talking to myself in ways that I had to relive my past and, and make myself wrong for the things that I've experienced. The things, the wrongs that I've made right, the, the people I've apologized to, whatever it is, but and even if I hadn't, like it's in the past. It's already happened. You cannot fix those things. Maybe you can apologize to someone. So go ahead and do that if you feel like you need to. But other than that, like the event cannot change. It's stuck in the past. So let's move on from there and leave that abusive relationship that we are experiencing with ourselves. I feel like that is so simply said and so difficult. And even though I knew, I knew that my son didn't understand the weight of that. And like, and I'm not a horrible person. I knew that. But sometimes when we, when we are not like that, for instance, that morning, I did not get up and do my um, self-care, my personal routine that I normally do, which is fine. It doesn't, I mean, it doesn't always have to happen perfectly every day. But for me, that is crucial for my um, self-talk. My self-care is my self-talk, right? If I do not get up and I do not, then I do not see myself worthy of pouring into myself. So then that affects my self-talk and then that affects my self-grace because I'm like, I, well, I didn't get up and I didn't, you know, put time into myself. And so, you know, I don't, I don't deserve that positive self-talk for some reason. So that's totally a direct correlation of why I went into that spin um, is because I did not get up and pour into myself before the day. And that's what I need. I need that before I can pour into anyone else. I have to pour into myself. So 
I hope that, you know, with self-grace, you realize that you either win or you learn. And I learned a lot in that 17 to 19-year-old self. I learned a lot. There was very little winning. But that those things that I learned actually turned into wins for me because I was able to um, most definitely figure out what I don't want from men um, and what, what negative visions I can have for myself and how that makes me feel and why I don't want that. Um, and I think that that's something that we don't, we don't realize that it's like, it's a waste of time if we failed and it's a waste of money and it's a waste of resources and it's a waste of relationship and vulnerability and love and whatever. But I don't agree. I don't agree. Those relationships that I've had, those, um, you know, those failures that I've had have been great learning experiences. And if we think about that, as a parent, if my son, any of my sons, were to fail at something, I would be excited for the learning experience they were to have. I would be excited for the things that were able to come of that for them because I had that bigger picture. And so sometimes we don't have that bigger picture for ourselves. We get really caught up in those failures and we don't see the opportunity to learn and grow. So something that's interesting is that we always come up with, this is from Tony Robbins, we always come up with a lousy story when we're in a lousy state. So this goes back to self-generated accountability as well. And um, I have a whole podcast episode dedicated to this. And, but if we think about it, when we are feeling lousy, um, we come up with a lousy story. So I just laid that out for you. When I was feeling lousy, I had this whole story. And then I was in an even more like terrible or lousy or sad state. And then my story continued to play into that, right? So it started with, I am horrible. I believed that. And so that contributed to my state. So then I created a story that attributed to that state. So that story is I've hurt people. I've lied to people. I've, you know, done terrible things to people. That's my story. Okay. Actually, no, I have been a victim of sexual abuse, but let me, let me play into that, that lousy state. I was the reason I was sexually abused. Okay, that takes me to a whole nother level of lousy state, right? So, wow, that story just spirals and that definitely plays into my state. So our emotional state controls the story you have about your life and your story determines whether you find a, a strategy or that you even tried. So your emotional state controls the story you have about your life. So remember, I was sad. I was hurt. I was frustrated. I was feeling almost embarrassed that my son would call me that, right? And then now I'm going to create a story 
around that emotional state that I'm in. And then my story determines whether I'm going to find a strategy to get out of that, to move forward from that. So yikes, I had a pretty compelling story. So this is kind of an interesting uh, negative feedback loop, right? It's very, very scary loop to be caught in. And the only, re- the only way to get out of it, honestly, is self-awareness. So, again, Tony Robbins, he's a genius. And, of course, I have to share his tidbits when they uh, apply because they're so good. So, this is something that he does every morning. So, I figured I'd share that with you because if um, Tony Robbins is doing this in his morning routine, we should probably all adopt it. 10 minutes of music, he does. And in that process of 10 minutes of music, he will do, um, and this is like meditative music, right? So he'll do three minutes of gratitude and he really feels it. And he, he says, you can't be fearful and angry during this time. And so you're just feeling so much gratitude and you can, you know, it can be a very spiritual sense of gratitude It can be a temporal sense of gratitude. It doesn't matter. Just feeling gratitude. And for me personally, um, I have alarms throughout the day that remind me um, to be grateful. So I have different alarms for different times um, and to be grateful for those different um, things that I have in my life. And so one of them, for instance, um, at 9 a.m. every morning, I have this alarm that says, I'm grateful for my kids. And that alarm is strategic because that is exactly when we start homeschool. So to have that alarm go off at that time where I'm kind of getting in that state of, okay, I've got to be really patient and kind and playful and fun and creative and spontaneous. There's a lot of things that I need in that point of time. And so to bring in gratitude for my living, breathing posterity is so important and so helpful. So I do these throughout the day because it, it really helps me in those different times of the day be lifted up or to have that extra energy or connection. And then he does three minutes of um, prayer. And this is, you know, just being, um, you know, he may pray for other people. He may pray for guidance, help, um, patience, whatever it may be. So this, this kind of delves into gratitude. So, um, if prayer is not your thing, um, just continue that with gratitude and just, you know, processing your day, um, the things that you maybe need to be grateful for ahead of time. Like I'm grateful for the opportunity to present in this meeting. I'm grateful for my job. I'm grateful for the relationship I have, whatever it is. And, um, you know, really, really be grateful for things that may um, potentially present a problem for you that day. Um, And that gratitude will help you work through it. And then um, he does a three-minute process of, you know, the top three things he wants to get done. He sees it as done. He's very visual. So he sees it as done. He's naming those three things. He's 
visualizing them. He's seeing them as done. He's working through those. So this helps people condition themselves to do anything that they want rather than letting fear stop them. So you don't get new results with old actions. And our emotional state dominates us. It literally dominates us. Okay, this is now one of my, probably one of my favorite things that I've ever learned from Tony Robbins. And this is where you can make that self-talk, that self-grace, that um, even gratitude, all those things happen. This is where you can take the action. This is where the action happens. So in order to make a radical change, it has to start in your physical body. So picture me laying in a closet crying about my story, right? And that's put me in this lousy emotional state. So picture what my body would look like. So I'm laying down. I was most definitely in the fetal position and I'm crying. Okay, so hands on your hips like a superman or superwoman. If we super, yeah, woman, if we breathe deep, it increases our testosterone by 20%. So picture this. Our shoulders are back. We're standing up. Our hands are on our hips. We're strong, right? You can picture even a child doing this because that's more compelling and more believable because those kids believe that they are superwoman, superman. Oh my goodness. That's like my third yawn. It may be 4.30 in the morning, guys. <laughs> so, so we are breathing deep. This increases our testosterone and it drops 20% drops our cortisol levels, 22% and 33% more likely to take action. So increases our testosterone, testosterone 20%, drops our cortisol levels by 22% and 33% more likely to take action. Simply by standing up, putting our hands on our hips and breathing deep. Holy crap, that's crazy. So this is going to produce more certainty in yourself, in your abilities, in the actions you're going to take. So this takes you from legit homeless state to a marine state, if you will. If you'll follow along with my um, illustration earlier. So another thing is moving through this um, almost meditative process. And this is, you know, closing your eyes and thinking about what you are proud of in your life. And you're focusing on how it feels. How are you breathing? What is happening to your face? And that moment you're proud of. Picture yourself in that moment. So whether it's getting that new job or it's getting a promotion or it's graduating or it's getting a certificate, or it's um, seeing your child um, finally learn how to read, or finally um, take accountability or responsibility themselves, or it's finally getting to a place in your relationship where there's little to no resentment or appreciation or gratitude for that person. What are you proud of in your life? And moving through that process is so compelling. 
And then you can think about something that you're excited about. And again, close your eyes and you think about something that's so exciting to you. And focus on what could excite you. And feel like it's really happening. So how are you breathing? What's your face doing? What's your body doing when you're really, truly excited? And so when you focus on what you want, you change your state. And when we change our state, we change our story, right? So again, using that, um, that analogy of our, our brains being file cabinets, we put away the stories that don't serve us in that emotional state. So do you think I'm going to bring out the sexual abuse story? If I'm picturing myself as superwoman, no, I'm going to picture myself being someone that's overcome maybe that, right? But I'm going to be thinking about my graduation. I'm going to be thinking about my company that I've created. I'm going to be thinking about the lives that I've changed. I'm going to be thinking about my kids and how they've grown and developed and I'm going to be thinking about my relationship and I'm going to be thinking about all of the, all of the really, really positive connecting opportunities that I've had and the things that I've done to help grow and establish and create that relationship, right? And that is going to change my emotional state. And I simply am doing this, I'm visualizing this and I'm physically changing my body. So it's so amazing how much um, your body changes your state, changes your story that you're going to use or tell other people. So I legitimately use this with my kids. Um, when they're feeling sad or down, I mean, their shoulders are dropped, their heads down, their faces sad, right? We're using like, what is it? 17 muscles in our face to smile and 43 to frown. So we are using more effort, more muscles, more energy to be sad than to be happy. And I think this is divine. You think what you want to think, but I think it is divine. I think there is a reason for that. I don't think that our maker wanted us to feel sad. I, I think that it was on purpose to make it be easier for us to feel happy. And so... Um, I, I make my kids, when they're feeling sad, I make them do that same power position, their hands on their hips, it's actually their fists on their hips. They're standing really, really, really tall. And even taking a deep breath, and they say, I am strong. And they're using a super strong, empowering voice. And then I have them extend their arms way above their heads and they say, I am happy. And they use a very, they are smiling. They're using a very excited voice. They're opening up their lungs and their chest and saying, I'm happy. And I promise you that literally changes their state. And do you think that they're telling that same story of like, my brother's so mean and my life's so hard, whatever story they're telling themselves. No, they don't. Oftentimes, you know, the one thing that I do after that, so that, so they do, I'm strong, I'm, I'm happy. And then I tickle them and they love it. Um, I hate being tickled, but they love it. So more power to them. 
So I tickle them and then they're laughing. And then usually they just run off and they go play. But I want them to understand and us as adults often do not understand this. So it's for everyone. But I want them to learn and understand that they are in charge. They are in control of their emotional state. And just like me crying and um, being in that negative emotional state in the closet, I knew where I was and I knew I would get out of it. But I also allowed myself to, to go there and to be there and to recognize that, um, that that took me there and that I needed to make sure that I had some self-care and some time to myself that day to make sure that I got out of that. So I'm not saying that those, those breakdowns are bad, but they do tell us something and we need to learn from that and we need to make sure we, we listen to that. It's our, our body or our emotional well-being telling us like, hey, we need a little bit of TLC here. And maybe that was simply just a connection with my spouse. And maybe that was just giving myself a little bit of grace and, and reminding myself that some of those things that happened to me were not my fault and I have rised above that and I have created something beautiful for myself despite those challenges that I've had. So if I could leave you with one, two things is that it takes so much in the beginning to make those changes. But once you get momentum, it's a lot easier. So I use, personally use the five second rule from Mel Robbins. And this is where she simply counts down from five and she will take action no matter what it is. So if it's, I need to work out, oh, I don't want to work out. Five, four, three, two, one, go work out. Um, And I use this to wake up in the morning. So I made my kids, I had them record a little voice message for me so that in the morning I hear my three boys, ages three to seven, saying, five, four, three, two, one, wake up, mommy, you can do it. And I hear that every morning at 3 a.m. And it's compelling. And it's, there's, someone has belief in me other than myself, right? And I, I just feel so compelled to wake up, to create a life that is better for them, that has more opportunities for them. And um, it's compelling. And it's just, it's just a super simple process, but it really works. So any of those moments where your brain is trying to protect you from change or from discomfort, count down from five. And you'll be surprised how much action you're able to take just simply by counting down from five. And lastly, I just want to leave you with this, that your thoughts become who you are. And is that what you want? If not, change your thoughts. Thanks so much for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want to know more about what I do with horses, empowering other people, and helping them heal from past experiences, please visit my website at harnessyourpower.org to schedule a free consultation call. And I will talk to you about your goals and your um, barriers and how we can achieve those goals and if my services are a good fit for you. Have a great day.